Well, let's turn to God's Word together, to Ecclesiastes 10 and 11. It would really help to have that passage open in front of you. There's a lot uh, of verses there, lots of different um, wisdom and proverbs for us to look at. But let's pray and ask God's help as we look at this together. Let's pray. We do thank you again, Lord, for your Word. Uh, we thank you that you speak to us through it, and you have done to your church for centuries. And we just praise you, Lord, that today we get a chance to hear from you, to hear truth uh, from you. Help us to understand. By your Spirit, come and open our hearts, Lord, we pray. And we ask that you would do this for us and for anybody listening who might not yet know you. Show them how great Jesus is. That is our cry, that is our prayer. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Well, I'm sure we're going to be processing this last year that we've been through uh, for quite some time, aren't we? For many years to come. But there's one thing that stands out, isn't there? Nothing is certain. Or, as the title I've given for today's message is, we can be certain of uncertainty. You know, life is unpredictable. We don't know what's around the corner. You can be 10 points up on your way to winning the Grand Slam with only eight minutes to go and still lose. Yes, it did happen. Horrible, wasn't it? But that can happen. It's unpredictable. It's uncertain. Life is complex. And as we look around us, there's so many moving parts out there. So many things that are connected. If we make this decision, then that happens, and that happens. And if this happens over there, then so-and-so happens, and this happens. There's loads of things going on. And not only that, each one of us, we bring into our circumstances and our situations different issues and baggage and scars. And so we look at life, and it is complicated. It is uh, complex. And we wonder, how do we get through this? How do we get through life with all of the complications that are going on? How do we get through it when, at any point, things can be turned upside down? How can we know what to do when we don't know what to do? How do we find our way through life? Well, as we listen to the teacher of Ecclesiastes, as he's coming to the end of this book, there's two words he wants us to hold on to today. We need to be cautious and bold. In chapter 10, we're going to be told we need to be cautious and wise. But in chapter 11, then, we're told you need to be bold. You need to take risks. So chapter 10 is talking about living wisely. And again, we hear lots of proverbs. There's a lot of contrast here. I don't know if you noticed that as it was being read, about the wise and the foolish, or folly and wisdom. See, living wisely, remember, is about living well living skillfully. It's about knowing what to do in different situations. And the tricky thing about wisdom is this. There's not one set rule for it. It is not black and white. In the book of Proverbs, listen to these two verses. They are one after each other. Proverbs 26 verses 4 and 5. Listen to this. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And then verse 5 says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Now hold on, that sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Well, not if we understand wisdom. So do you answer a fool, yes or no? Well, the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs answer, and the, the life of wisdom says, it depends. Sometimes it's right, right to answer a fool, but sometimes it is not right. You need to hold your tongue. And we've got that in our little Proverbs to help with life, haven't we? Too many cooks spoil the broth. That's the proverb, isn't it? That's what we say, too many cooks spoil the broth. Or do we say, oh, many hands make light work? Which is it? Well, it depends on the situation. And living wisely is like this. It's, it's not straightforward. It's not black and white. You can't say, right, this is what you do in every circumstance. We need wisdom. 
We need discernment. You know, being wise means living in a way when we're not sure what to do. It's something we need to learn. I don't know what you know about jazz or if you like jazz, but jazz is all about improvisation. That is, you make it up on the spot. And if you listen to a jazz group, they would sound spontaneous. And they are. They're making it up as they go along. They're working together. This jazz group would be working together. You have somebody on the drums, somebody on the double bass, somebody on guitar, maybe a piano. They're all playing together. They're taking it in turns to have solos, and they're playing. They're making it up on the spot. It sounds spontaneous. And when you look at a jazz pianist playing, he seems or she seems free. But what's behind that spontaneity? You know what's behind it? Years and years and years of practice getting to know their scales and arpeggios, getting to know the keys inside out, getting to know all the jazz classics. They've practised and they've practised, they've learned, they've internalised those things so that when it comes to a performance, when somebody throws them a chord, they know how to deal with it. You know, it's going to be different every time, but they've internalised these principles and they can adapt to it. Wisdom is a little bit like that. Don't push it too far. It's not the perfect analogy, but it's a bit like that. You don't just fall into it. We need to learn it. Learn what to do when we don't know what to do. So what does this passage then teach us about living wisely in an uncertain world? Well, as I said, the first thing it's going to tell us is this in chapter 10. Be cautious. Be cautious. Remember, this is telling us the world is unpredictable. It's uncertain. So be cautious. Again, in Proverbs, we read this, Proverbs 14. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but the fool is reckless and careless. So chapter 10 is this big contrast between a wise person and a foolish person. The wise is somebody who's cautious and thinks things through, but the foolish person is, is, is rash and reckless. Four ways we need to be careful in chapter 10. The first is this. Now, as we're going through this, these don't all tie nicely into these sections that I've broken them into, but it's a way that I hope will help us to work through it. The first is this. We need to be careful with sin, verses 1 to 7. Now, look what it tells us in that first, um, first verse. It's a famous phrase that we use, isn't it? The fly in the ointment. I'm sure you've heard it. Look what it says. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honour. Here's some really expensive ointment that somebody's made, and they're just about to seal it up um, so that in a few months or years' time, they're going to open it up to release this wonderful smell. So they seal it all up, and there it is, tucked away, ready to be opened. And when they open it, they expect to, in a, after a few months or years, they expect to smell this wonderful smell, and what happens? They open it up, and it stinks. It reeks. Something has gone off. Why? Well, just as you were sealing it, a fly got in. And that fly is now rotten and it's ruined the whole thing. It's saying that's all it takes is a little bit of tiny foolishness. Something that seems so small can ruin everything. One way of going against God's ways and against his wisdom can destroy so much. It has the potential to ruin everything. Now the reality is, in our hearts, there is the seed and the potential for each one of us to commit the most dangerous and um, really destructive sin that we can think of. There's the seed of every sin in our heart. And we need God's help and God's wisdom to get rid of it. If you think with me of an oak tree, 
An oak tree is huge, isn't it, and strong and imposing. But where does an oak tree come from? It comes from an acorn, something so small, something you can accidentally step on and not realise that you've crushed it. Now, if I were to tell you, which would you prefer to crush? Would you prefer to crush an oak tree or an acorn? Which would you choose? Well, we'd go with the acorn, wouldn't we? That's something that's manageable. You see, we need to deal with sin in our hearts and in our lives at the start, at the root, before it, it, it grows. Don't be foolish with it. Deal with it. See the danger. It tells us, it keeps on telling us and warning us about how to live and, and be careful with sin. Verse 2, a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. It's not talking about our political leanings, but in the Bible, the right is the position of strength, of power, um, uh, the position of glory. And so that means if you live in a wise way, that's where you're headed. But if you live in an unwise way, a foolish way, then it leads to weakness and shame and destruction. And the problem with foolishness, verse 3, is that we can't see it in ourselves. So often we are blind to it. Everybody else might be able to see it, but we can't. And this points us back to other truths we've seen in Ecclesiastes where we're told you need other people, other people to tell you, other people to point out the hard truths that we need to hear. Look, you need to deal with this. The most loving thing that people can say to us. Now, this is the danger of sin. We need to be careful with it. And verses 5 to 7 point out that uh, foolishness and dealing with sin and, and being careful with it, people in leadership aren't immune to this. So as we thought about last time, pray for our leaders. Pray for them. You know, we know that there is, there is um, real potential for danger here. And we can think, can't we, of leaders, uh, both politically or in the church, who've ruined their lives by moments of foolishness and destruction. We need to be careful. See, we've all failed. The, this passage um, in Ecclesiastes 9 and 8, we've seen there's sin in each one of us. There's a potential for us. Be careful not to leave things go um, unchecked. We need wisdom. We need God's strength to help us to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. What is it that you need to ask God to help you with this week? What is it that God has put his fingers in? What is that little fly in the ointment that has the potential of destruction in your life? Deal with it when it's an acorn. Get rid of it now by God's help, by his strength. So be careful with sin. We need to be cautious. In a world that's unpredictable, be careful with sin. We also need to be careful with other ways in which we act. Be careful how you act, he says in verses uh, 8 to 10. Because these verses show us somebody who is quick to act and slow to think. You know, there's somebody who's doing something before they've even thought about it. So they dig a hole, verse 8, and then they fall into it. You know, they break through a wall and they don't think that in the Middle East where this was, in between walls is where snakes would be. So they've broken through a wall and there's a snake to get them. You know, here's somebody who's gone straight to chopping wood, but they haven't bothered to, um, to sharpen the axe. And so there they are, they're hacking away and they're going to be at it for ages because they haven't sharpened their axe. They haven't stopped to think. They haven't prepared for what they're doing. He's saying here, don't just jump in. Wisdom says be careful, protect, be careful, because that protects us. It keeps us safe. You know, in a world so unpredictable, so uncertain, be careful. It's showing us as well when you think about somebody who's trying to knock a tree down with an axe that's blunt. You know, it tell, it's telling us it's not just about being busy. You can be busy and busy in different things, but actually it can be worthless and pointless. You can be busy doing so much things, but actually not doing anything of value. We just think things should be careful and plan ahead. Be patient. Seek God's help. Seek his wisdom. Don't just rush into things, but 
be careful. So be careful with sin. Be careful how you act. The third thing is, in verses 11 to 14, be careful how you speak. Now, if you read through the Proverbs, uh, all over the the place there, we see the tongue being warned against as something dangerous, time and time again. Now, it would be a helpful way to illustrate it. If we were in the building this morning, I might get a couple of the children out, um, and, uh, and I'd have two tubes of toothpaste, and I'd say to them, right, we're going to have a race. Who can squeeze the toothpaste out of this toothpaste holder? Toothpaste, whatever it is, anyway. Who can squeeze, tube, that's the word. Who can squeeze this toothpaste out of the toothpaste tube the quickest? So two children would be squeezing the toothpaste out as quick as they can. And then the next level would be this. Right, now we're going to have a competition. Who can get it back in the tube the quickest? This is the problem, isn't it? It's easy to get it out. It's almost impossible to get it back in. And when it comes to our tongue, when we speak it out, it's gone, and you can't get it back. Those words that can hurt can, are always out. They can never be brought back. And when you say it to somebody, they will always be in their minds. You know, we might pray and ask for forgiveness, but those words are there, aren't they? They can have etched into our minds. So verses 12 to 14, do you see what he says? The words of a wise man's mouth win him favour, but the lips of the fool consume. The beginnings of the words of his mouth is foolishness. The end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies his words, though no man knows what it is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? You know, and that's why he talks about the snake charmer um, in uh, verse, I've lost where it is now, in verse uh, 11. You know, the context is speaking of words. Here's a serpent, a snake charmer, who can't control his snake. He's not much of a charmer, is he? He's, he's ruined. It's pointless. Let's be careful with our words. You know, the damage done with our tongue and with the words that we use in churches, in families, all over the world is, well, it's, it's so sad to think about, isn't it? We have to be careful. The tongue is small but it can have a huge impact. Just as James says in James 3, when we put uh, bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. It's only small, but it can turn the whole animal. Or ships, as though they are large, are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. That's all it takes. We need to be wise and careful with how we speak. Maybe today this is just bringing something up in your heart that you need to apologise for. You've said something and you shouldn't have, and you need to say sorry. Maybe somebody has said something to you and it has hurt. You need to pray for God's grace to forgive. Maybe you just need to hear this as a warning again. I need to wait before I speak. Now, if you know that you have a tendency to say things that you shouldn't, especially when you're angry, or when you're tired, or when you're upset. Maybe that's a time where we need to put our guards up, especially with our tongue, and be really careful. And maybe you think, oh, I don't have a problem. Come on, Andrew, next point. Maybe if you think you don't have a problem, we need to take heed, because we may have a problem we don't realise we have here. We might be like the fool um, in verse 3, who who, who doesn't realise that they are somebody who often will say things that upset people. So let's be careful. Let's be wise in how we talk. Be careful with sin. Be careful how we act. Be careful how you speak. And the fourth thing here is be careful with how you view yourself. Verses 15 down to 20. Verse 15 tells us somebody who is toiling away 
The toil of the fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. So here is somebody working hard, but they're toiling away and they're getting tired. They're not getting very far, but they haven't gone to the city. What's it saying? Well, the city is where you'd go for help. That's where you'd go to find out more. Here is somebody who's not willing to ask for help. They're full of pride. They've got the wrong view of themselves. I can do this. I can sort it out. I don't need anybody else's help. Now, perhaps that's a little bit like you. You know, you get a new gadget and you see the instruction book and you throw it away. Don't need that. I'll work it out. Or maybe you're driving your car out on a trip and you're lost and you don't ask for directions. I don't need help. I'll find it on my own. You know, we can sometimes be like that in life, can't we? I don't need help. I can work it out. You know, I've got a job. I've worked for this many years and I can sort it out. I can do it all on my own. But life is too big for us. As we're about to see, life is uncertain. Life is topsy-turvy. Life is upside down and inside out. And sometimes we just can't, um, we just don't know what's going to happen and what's just around the corner. And we can't face what life throws at us alone. We need to seek help. We need other people to help us. But as well, we need the Creator God. We need Him in our lives to guide us and help us to navigate our way through life. Are we too full of pride to ask for help? Is there something you need to ask for help with this morning? Maybe you need to go to God and say, God, I need help with this. Go to a friend or somebody else in church and say, can you pray for me about this? I need help with it. But also in this section is, is somebody who is described as somebody who's not taking responsibility. Somebody who is a child. Look at it, it says, verse 17. Happy you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Look at verse 16. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Here is somebody who is um, not taking responsibility. They're in a position of leadership, maybe, but they're acting like a child. You know, and they're, they're lazy, verse 18. The sloth of the roof sinks in, and though it through indolence, the house leaks. There's a leak in the roof, they're not dealing with the problems. They're just lazy, not taking responsibility. And the fool just ignores it and tries to escape responsibility and isn't willing to grow up. Not only that, but they see the kind of problems of life, and how do they deal with it? Well, they don't feast. They feast in the morning. That's not when you have a feast. You feast at the proper time, verse 17. So they're using God's gifts of food here, and they're saying, that is just going to help me escape from thinking through the problem of a leaky roof, or the problem in my life. So they use God's gifts. The foolish person uses God's gifts as a way of escaping the realities of the uncertainty of life. I wonder, is that you this morning? Have you turned to God's good gifts and used them instead of the way he means for them to be used, to use them as a way of escape and comfort uh, and not dealing with the problems of life. His gift of food, of money, of, of sex, of work, of entertainment. We can turn these things into idols, can't we? That we turn to them to help us and to keep us going, but actually we're misusing them. And they're not going to help us. They're not our saviour. Only Jesus can save. We need to be careful how we view ourselves. We need to realise that we need to take responsibility that we need to see that God's the creator who tells us to use his gifts in the right way. Enjoy them, yes, but they're not an escape from our responsibilities. See, as we look at chapter 10, I know we've gone through it quickly there, but as we stop and think, are we living in a way that's wise or foolish? Are we playing with the dangers of sin in our life? 
Are we reckless in how we act sometimes without thinking through? Do we just, are we just busy for busyness' sake and, and just keep going, keep going, but we haven't stopped to think or pause? Are we quick to speak, not guarding our tongue? Are we humble with how we view ourselves? Realise that there is a proneness for us to wander, a proneness to maybe laziness and sloth, and, and we're not asking for help from other people. We're not asking for support. Are we using God's gifts as a means for escaping our responsibilities? See, wisdom is taking care in how we're living. It is being cautious. It's being prayerful. It's being humble. And in a world of uncertainty, wisdom can help us. It can protect us. It can keep us safe in some senses. So that's chapter 10. Be cautious. But that is not the end of the story. Because the second thing in chapter 11 is we're told this, be bold, be bold. See, wisdom is good. Wisdom is something that can protect us and help us. But um, Ecclesiastes time and time again underlines this. It says this, wisdom is limited. How is it limited? Well, chapter 10 points out, look at verse 2. We just, life is unpredictable. Verse 2, you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. Verse 3, the clouds are full of rain and they empty themselves on the earth. A tree falls to the south or to the north. The place where the tree falls, there it will lie. We don't know which way the wind is going to go. We don't know which way the tree is going to fall. We don't know what's going to happen ultimately with the weather. Uh, We don't know what disasters just around the corner. Wisdom can't help us tell the future. At any point, however wise you're living, however cautious you might be, we can face that kind of um, big a disaster in life. We can face and have that horrible news that we weren't expecting. And wisdom can't protect us from that because that's the world we live in. This is life under the sun. See, we can't work that out. And also because we can't tell the future, we can't tell the things that are going to work or not. There are certain things, it says in verse um, 5, certain things we don't understand. God does, but, but we don't. We, can't, we don't know everything about how a baby develops in the womb. With all the scientific um, progress we've made, there are some things we just don't know the answer to. You know, we know more about space than we do about our own ocean. We are limited in our knowledge. Wisdom can only take us so far. We don't know how things are going to work out, and we can't guarantee if things are going to be successful. Look at verse 6. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both are alike will be good. So you might be the wisest person, very cautious, thinking through things, planning ahead, but we don't know ultimately if things will work out for us or not. As we've seen over the last uh, week, uh, as we saw in, sorry, in chapter 9 uh, and 8, sometimes the, the fast don't always win the race, the strong don't always win the battle, Wales don't always beat France. We don't know what's going to happen. It's unpredictable. We can't see what's going to work. We don't know. Who does know? Well, God knows all these things, doesn't he? God knows what's going to happen. He knows how things are going to work out. God knows what disasters just around the corner. He knows what's going to work out and what's not. So this is life under the sun. Wisdom helps but it is limited. And we need to be cautious, yes, but I don't know what you're expecting for him to say next. After saying, look, we don't know what's around the corner. We can't guarantee what's going to happen and and all this. How are we to live then? And I'm expecting, after thinking through that, well, he's going to carry on saying, so be cautious. 
be careful, don't rush through things and things like that. But actually, what he says is this. Verses 1 and 2, be generous. Be risk-takingly generous. Look what he says, verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you'll find it after many days. He's not talking about feeding the ducks. But he's saying about um, when ships would have gone ab- uh, abroad with, with, with taking bread or taking things to, to sell, you know. He's saying, look, be generous with what you have. You don't know, verse 6, what's going to happen. So don't cling on to things. Be generous. Uh, verse, verses 9 and 10 tell us as well, not only be generous, but, but be joyful. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know for all these things God will bring you into judgment. We'll look at this theme a bit more next week, but he's saying, look, you can rejoice. Take risks, be generous, be joyful. Why? Because all the things we don't know about this life, God does. This what it says in verse 9, he knows the end. He knows what's coming. Even though we can't predict, God knows. And our life is in his hands. And so we can trust him, and that frees us up. Be generous with what you've got. Give it away. Surprisingly, be risk-taking, he says with this. Give it a go. Trust God with the fruit. We don't know, verse 6, what's going to come of us kind of sowing the seed. But God knows, and he can bring the growth. Now, what difference does this make to our life? Well, let me ask this. It's asking us to be generous with what we have. How this week ahead can you surprise someone with kindness and generosity? How in this week ahead can you kind of release your tight hold of what you own? And maybe that might be um, physical things that we own or financial things. It could be with our time, with our emotional energy. How can we spend that on others? Instead of hoarding everything for ourselves, how can we be generous? Surprise someone this week. Where can you rejoice this week? Where can you be commanded here to rejoice? What can you hold on to this week that can help you to rejoice? You see, if you're a Christian listening to this and watching this, you are safe with Jesus. Jesus came into this world to save us and rescue us, and he has promised that one day we will be with him forever. That means that he's promised us a happy ending. Maybe not in this life. You know, maybe things won't go to plan in this life. We live in life under the sun. But beyond this life, he promises a forever after there is a happy ending. We are safe with him. And if we're safe with Jesus, do you see what that means? It means we can be radically confident. It means we can be generous. He has been generous to us. He has poured out his love onto me and I can share my love, uh, his love with other people. Share the love I've experienced with others. Be generous. Be joyful and, be, and trust him that we can take risks for him. Saying here, thinking about sowing the seed, it makes us think, doesn't it, of Jesus' parable of the, uh, the man, the, the farmer who went to sow the seed. Talking about sharing uh, the gospel with people. How might you be being called this week to take a risk for Jesus in sharing the gospel? How might you, this week, be called to, uh, to stand up and say, you know, I, I follow Jesus. Let me tell you the great news of Jesus. It's scary. It's, it's nerve-wracking. But let's take bold risks because God knows the end. Who knows how we could use your words to help someone to come to know the great news of Jesus. Think about it for us as a church. With this year ahead, you know, things are going to be very different again, aren't they? And, and for the next few years, 
What is it that God is calling us to do? You know, we can take risks. We can try something out. If it doesn't work, oh well, that's fine. It doesn't work. We don't know, but God knows. So let's cast our bread on the water. Let's, let's sow the seed. Let's take risks. Let's try things. So if you've got an idea of how we can tell people about Jesus, well, come and share it. Let's give things a go. Because God is in control, we can trust him. We don't know what's going to happen, but God is sovereign and we can trust him. So we can be bold, we can be confident, not in ourselves, but in God. It doesn't mean all things will happen and will go well, not at all, but it means that we are free to, to take risks for God. How, as we come to the end of looking at these two chapters, as we read these things through, you know, we see here, don't we, the example of the wise and the foolish. And a lot of examples, as you read through it, are about leaders, you know, the wise king or the foolish king. You know, when the king is foolish, there's disastrous results. In a world where things are so uncertain, isn't it great that today we can come to a king who is truly wise and will never let us down? Matthew 12 tells that Jesus says, the one greater than Solomon is here. He's the greatest Solomon. He, he, uh, we come to our great king, our great saviour, the one who is the same yesterday, today and forever in a world that is always changing. We come to one who never changes. He is the one who came to deal with our sin, with that fly in the ointment. He came to, to forgive us. He came to expose its danger and help us to say no to sin. He is the one who wasn't foolish in his actions. He was the one who had a thought-out plan of salvation. Every stroke of his axe, as it were, was effective. No energy wasted. He was the one who didn't speak foolish words, but spoke words of wisdom and words of life. He was the one who took responsibility for his actions. He was the one who, who was dependent on God, the Holy Spirit, to help him as he went through life. He is our true king, our true saviour. He was the one who was bold. He was the one who was generous and gave of himself. He held nothing back for us. He was the one who was joyful and rejoicing. He's the one who was almost reckless with his love for us. He didn't hold on to his life, but he laid it down for us. Thinking about casting bread onto waters. How, how was Jesus generous with his bread? Well, listen to what it says in John 6. Jesus said, I'm the living bread, came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He gave everything. And in the light of Jesus, the good king, the true king, the one who is all wise, in the light of his wisdom, we want to say, Lord, help me to trust you. And we want to be as generous as he is. As we experience his generosity, so too can we then go and be generous. Life under the sun is unpredictable. The only thing we can be certain of is its uncertainty. But Jesus is our rock. He is our king and he is unchanging. So let's seek him, let's trust him. And if today you're watching this and you don't know Jesus and you are scared by the uncertainty of life or you're looking ahead at things to come and you just are scared and you don't know where to turn because everything's so up and down, let me encourage you today, turn to Jesus. Put your trust in him, the one who will never let you down, truly wise, truly loving, and you can trust him and look at the cross for evidence of that. Turn to him today. And if you want to know more about that, please do get in touch with us. We would love to help out and help you to find out more.